Well, it is so good to be with you in church today. I hope that wherever you're watching from, that you know that you're loved. Pray that God's presence has been with you throughout this week and that you've just felt his love over your life. And I hope you've had an opportunity to, to establish some new rhythms or reestablish some rhythms that have been lost over the course of this last year. And we're going to continue in our series today, Restoring Rhythms. We've been looking exactly that, the fact that over this course of this year, some of our regular rhythms and routines have been interrupted with all of the things happening in the world and, and the pandemic and stay-at-home orders, kids being home from school, um, for many of you working from home as well. Uh, and it's just really disrupted the flow of our lives. And in the midst of it, some of the healthy rhythms of life can get lost as well. And so we want to be able to reestablish those, especially when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to take some time today to, to keep pressing into this theme of restoring, uh, restoring rhythms. Talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that God dances, and we looked at the Trinity and the relationship that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the way that they interact with each other, and that God invites us into a dance with Himself. He invites us to dance with him and that he moves at our pace, that he matches uh, his pace to where we're at in our lives. And one of the most beautiful things about walking with Jesus in this Christian faith is that it's accessible to a child, but even for the, the most mature, for the scholar, for the person who has walked with Jesus for many, many years, that there is still a depth that can be discovered, accessible to both. And I love that about uh, our Lord and about our Savior. And so as we look at restoring rhythms, we want to continue thinking through what does it mean to dance with God? How do we get invited into that dance? And I want to focus today, take some time to talk about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, the, the, the disciplines of our lives that help us to connect with God, to spend time with God. And included in this, there's a whole bunch of different ones, but included in this are things like prayer and fasting, uh, Bible study and, and reading the Bible and listening to teaching and worship and giving and solitude and service. And, the, and there's an extensive list that we could talk through. My goal is to not do necessarily a deep dive into any one of those. And we've had messages here at Thrive over the years that have focused on many of these subjects. And there's great teaching that exists on, on all of these. Uh, all, again, messages here at Thrive and, and beyond other, other teachings as well. Um, but what I'd like to do today is focus on the why behind the what. The why behind the what. See, if we don't know why we're doing something or why we need to do it, we won't. We just won't. If, if there's not that inherent understanding, if there's not that knowing, that why, we won't do something. It's why kids, when they're little, ask that question. Why? 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 Why do I need to brush my teeth? Why do I need to eat my vegetables? They're, they're not just trying to be belligerent and obnoxious, what they're doing is seeking understanding. And that's a pattern for really for all of our lives is to say, well, why? Why is it important to spend time with the Lord in prayer and fasting and reading and study? What's the real heart behind those things? And, and discovering why God calls us into these spiritual disciplines. And now hear me, I, I know this. So for so many, 
the, uh, the term discipline uh, can be off-putting, this idea of spiritual disciplines, because right, right off the forefront, it seems like it's a negative thing. But the idea is this, is that there's work that's involved, that we have to apply ourselves, that we have to press in and discipline ourselves uh, to, to do the things that are life-giving and important. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more today. So we need to know the why. In, in other words, we need to be motivated instead of commanded. Now, Scripture is full of commandments, but there is also throughout Scripture this theme of, the, of Jesus and, 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 and the Godhead inviting us into something that is relationally focused. And so there's always this motivation of relationship before there's just a rule. That God is a God of love and He's a God of relationship. To put it another way, we, want, we need to be inspired instead of directed. I love this phrase, rather than trying to light a fire under someone, it's better to light a fire in them. Rather than lighting a fire under them, it's better to light a fire in them. And my hope today is that as we look at the Word of God, that there would be a light that's either lit inside of you or a flame that is fanned uh, more to, to a greater level of intensity in your heart and your life. I think so often when we come to spiritual disciplines, uh, it, it can take on that, that picture of trying to prod something uh, prod someone towards doing something or lighting a fire and saying, you just, you just need to do this thing. You need to do this thing. But I think our hearts are resistant. If we don't know the why, we're not going to do the what. We don't know why. If we're not inspired, we won't move on to the what. Another way to put it is this. It's relationship instead of legalism. Relationship instead of legalism. What is legalism? Legalism is simply this. It's rules for the sake of of rules, rules for the sake of rules. Uh, God invites us into this dance with him for the sake of relationship. He doesn't, he doesn't apply uh, laws for the sake of relationship. In fact, Jesus came to fulfill the law so that we could have this free access, this relationship with the Lord. I want to speak for a second, though, to some of the misconceptions about what spiritual disciplines uh, are. So, so for many, they may view, or you may view, and I've definitely viewed spiritual disciplines like a chore, just something you, you have to do. You have to do the laundry, you have to do the dishes, you have to wash the car, you have to read your Bible. And I've got to tell you, it's not like any of those things. That, that spiritual disciplines, prayer and fasting and, and teaching and, and study are not chores. Another misconception is this, that if I don't, if I don't practice spiritual disciplines, that God is disappointed in me, that God is disappointed in me, that he looks at me with, with a dis, dis, an unfavorable perspective. Or how about this, if I don't practice spiritual disciplines, that God will be mad at me. Not, that he, not just that he would be disappointed, but that God is just mad, like he's, he's like the ogre under, uh, hiding under the, the, the bridge, waiting to get you, and that there's just this posture, this grumpiness. I'm so glad we don't serve a grumpy God. God doesn't get, he, it's not that he gets mad at us. Or, or how about this, that if I don't practice spiritual disciplines, that God is going to punish me. That God is going to punish me. I remember 
early in my walk with the Lord, anytime uh, things would maybe go wrong in my life or things didn't, uh, didn't work out the way I intended or there was any kind of pain, so often I would think, you know what, this is happening because I didn't read my Bible. This is happening because I didn't pray enough. And I got to tell you that God doesn't move that way towards his children. He is a loving father. And that, that for us to not practice spiritual disciplines, to not be in prayer, to be in the word, if those things are neglected in our lives, that God doesn't turn around and punish us. Now, we might feel the consequences of not refreshing our souls in the presence of the Lord. But make no mistake, it is not a hand of punishment of God against us. So those are some of the misconceptions that may exist, and there's a whole lot more. That this just, that's just a handful. There's a whole lot more. I want to go back to the dance analogy. God invites us to dance. He invites us into this beautiful, rhythmic movement with Him where he speaks to us, he expresses his love to us, and where we have the opportunity to respond to him. See, we, we respond to the dance. We, invite, we are invited into this dance, not as a way to earn God's love, that we engage with God, not because we need to earn his love, but we do it in response to his love that his love has already been shown for us. He's already demonstrated his love for us. And because of his love and because of the loving invitation to join him, we respond to him and we join him, that we, we come into a relationship with him and then walk in step with him to get into that, that rhythmic movement where we are, our hearts are aligned with his heart, where we hear his voice. See, it's to join him in a movement that is at its core focused on life-giving relationship. And that is what spiritual disciplines are really about. It's just going to the well. It's going to the place where our souls are refreshed. In fact, this is the very reason that Jesus came to earth. This is the whole purpose of why Jesus came to earth, that he lived the life he lived, that he died the death that he died, and that he rose again. Why? To restore the broken relationship between God and man. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of recon reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Love this passage, and I love the clarity of Paul's communication here to say this. The old is gone, the new is here, and it's from God, that God has brought about something new in our lives, and he is reconciling us to him through Christ, and then... He then has given us that ministry of reconciliation. And hear this, not counting people's sins against them. Remember I said one of those misconceptions, God's mad at me. God is holding this against me. No, Paul reminds us here in 2 Corinthians, that's not the way, that's not the heart of God towards us, that he doesn't count people's sins against them because Jesus took that on himself at the cross. 
So I want to talk through a, a few key points for us today, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew 11, we're going to be in verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. See, what here in Matthew, we have Jesus painting a very clear picture of what fellowship with Him is intended to look like. A really clear picture of the why. Jesus spells out the why here in Matthew 11. And I'm actually going to read this uh, in three different versions, uh, translations of the Bible. And there's a reason for that. Uh, when we translate Scripture, and when Scripture has been translated from the original language into English, there's a lot of words and there's a lot of uh, understanding. There's a lot of concepts that don't translate well. Uh, that, that contained in this passage in Matthew chapter 11 are some words that, that really, there's no good English word to, to really take those on, to really explain what they mean. And, you know, the idea of rest for your souls and, and taking on an easy yoke doesn't translate well for us. And so I want to read it in three different passages because I think it'll highlight just a, a greater perspective of the heart behind this passage. So I'm going to start reading out of the NIV first. We're going to look at the, the New International Version. It says this, Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The New King James says it this way, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So the NIV says, weary and burdened. And the New King James says, labor and heavy laden. And he continues, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The key difference here between the NIV and the New King James are the words labor, heavy laden, and weary, and burdened. And finally, I want to read out of the message. Uh, the message, which is really a, a paraphrase uh, more than it is a translation. But again, the, the heart here is to just capture just the sense of what Jesus is saying to his audience. So it says this, starting in verse 28. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let me read that again. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Such a wonderful treatment of this passage you can just sense Jesus' heart for his followers. Talking to an audience that had lived under the yoke of the law, that the, the priests and the teachers of the law had imposed on them in other places in Scripture, 
it talks about the yoke of the law that had been a burden to the people that they had to carry. And so this relationship with God was not something that was light. It was something very burdensome. There was very, a, a lot of energy and effort required to meet all of the requirements. And so many of those requ requirements were not the requirements of God. They were the requirements of religious structures. And why uh, Eugene Peterson here in the message says, are you tired, worn out, and burned out on religion? See, the goal of God is not to burn us out. It's to bring life into our lives. That the, 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 the why behind the what of spiritual disciplines is for us, our lives to be refreshed, refreshed, as Jesus says, that we would find rest for our souls. That's the real why. That we would relate to him and connect with him in such a way that we would find that refreshing that flows through a loving relationship. So un let's unpack these passages a little bit more. First is this. There's a response to God in this. There's a response to his love. That we would respond to the, the loving invitation of Jesus when he says, come to me, come to me. If, you're, if you labor and you're weary, if you're heavy laden and you're burdened, come to me. It's interesting here between labor and heavy laden or weary and burden that the first part of that is really an active type, uh, type of exhaustion. That when you're working, when you're laboring, when you're pressing in, when you're trying to accomplish something and do it in, in, your, in your strength, that, that you become, you, you just get worn out that you're laboring, that you're under this pressure. There's activity that's involved there. And then heavy laden is more the, the, the burdens, those things that we just carry that have accumulated on our shoulders and, and weigh our souls down. And maybe it's a little more passive because those are things that have been put on us uh, or we've picked up along the way. In both of those cases, though, Jesus is pointing out that there is an exhaustion here. There's just a level of tiredness that exists. And so his invitation is, come to me. Come to me. It's a loving relationship. It's a loving invitation. Come to me. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me or if you're weary. Come to me if you're worn out. Come to me and I will give you rest. 1 John 5 verses 1 through 3 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. This is an amazing passage out of 1 John, and, and John here is reminding us that Yes, to, to walk with God, to love God, is to do the things that he's called us to do. But then he ends that passage and he says, but remember this, that the commandments of God are not burdensome. They will not exhaust you. They will not wear you out. They are life-giving. In fact, the very opposite is true. The ways of the world and doing things in our own strength, uh, in the way that the world would do it, that is burdensome. That is something that would wear us out. But when we walk in step with the Lord, 
when we do the things that he's called us to do, when we come to him in this loving invitation, God says, I will lift those burdens that his commandments are not burdensome to us. Jesus says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me and grovel up my feet so you can earn rest. He just says, if you come to me, I will give it to you. I will give it to you freely. He will lavish his rest. I will give you rest. Capture the heart of God towards you in this moment. Let's even pause here for a second. This is how Jesus feels about you. He says, if you would come to me, put in your name. If I, Barry, go to Jesus, if I respond to that invitation in the midst of my weariness, in the midst of me being heavy laden, then he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Jesus goes on to share this picture, this analogy of taking on the yoke. He says, take on my yoke. A yoke was a wooden bar that attached two or more animals uh, to be able to work in conjunction to accomplish a job. More, most often than not, we see this with uh, two oxen or two horses that are teamed together to pull a cart or to pull a plow. And the picture is this. It's, it's that of sharing the load, that we don't have to go it on our own, that we don't have to, to, to be like the, the lone ranger. We don't have to be the one who just takes it all on ourselves, that Jesus invites us to come to him and that he would give us rest as he shares his yoke, that we would take on this yoke, that we would partner with him, that we, couple, we would couple our lives to him through the practice of spiritual disciplines. And, and here's what happens is that shared load eases the burden on each of those oxen when they're paired together. But the other thing that happens is that they increases it increases their effectiveness, that two oxen are able to pull a lot more together than one can by itself. And it's not just uh, additive. It's not just that one ox can pull a certain amount of weight and then two can pull double the weight. It becomes exponential. It actually grows. That two oxen can pull uh, th- three or four times their, their combined weight for, for uh, short distances. And so that pulling power is increased together. Jesus uses this analogy in a region where people would have been familiar with this idea of oxen being tied together to accomplish uh, a job, to accomplish a task. Jesus says to us, come come to me. Come to me and take on my yoke. Be, be joined together with me in the work that you're doing and the things that are going on in your life and the, and the things that you're struggling against. Here's the other great picture that comes out of this idea of being yoked with Jesus is that when two oxen are yoked together, they can't go off in separate directions. That when they're tied together, they have to move in the same direction. And really the goal of our lives should be this, to move in step with and move in the same direction that Jesus is moving and when we take on his yoke, when we're joined together with Jesus, there's a rest that comes, there's a peace that comes with knowing we're moving with him rather than being on our own and going in the wrong direction, knowing that we're moving in the right way with Jesus. This interesting side note, little fact, the, the term acre, where we understand an acre of property 
was determined to be, this is where it comes from, it was the amount of land that a pair of oxen could plow together during daylight on the longest day of the year. That's, that's what an acre was. It was the amount of land that a pair of oxen could plow together during daylight on the longest day of the year. So much of our agriculture up until the invention of tractors and machinery was based on that, was based on the ability for those animals to work together to accomplish a task. It's no, it's no surprise that Jesus uses this analogy in talking about our lives, that in Christianity, in our walk with him, we're called to service, we're called to, to work, that, that, that the life of the believer is not one that's just let, hey, sit back and relax, but we're called to partner with Jesus. But that's the key. We're called to partner. We're not called to do it on our own. We're not called to, to exercise spiritual disciplines in a way that just brings us to Jesus when we're flat out exhausted after pulling the load by ourselves. We're called to walk in constant communion, communion and community with Jesus as our lives are yoked to him. And so it's a response to the love of God to say, God, I want to come to you. I want to bring the burdens of my life. I want to bring the weariness of my life. And I want to su submit them at your feet, whether that's in prayer, whether that's in worship, whether that's in reading the word of God, that all of these things, all of these ways, that I would partner my life with Jesus. And in that, he says, I will give you rest. Another dimension of this, though, is that we would commit our lives to growing and maturing. In fact, one of our values here at Thrive Church is that we would commit to growth, that we personally would take on that responsibility to say, I need to, I need to commit to grow in my life. I don't want to stay stagnant. I want to grow in my walk with Jesus. And there's an open invitation from Jesus to us to say, come to me, come to me, take on my yoke. I will give you rest. And then he says this, learn from me. Learn from me. Watch the way I do it. In fact, I, I love how the, the message said that. He says, watch how I do it. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That when we commit our lives to growing and maturing in Jesus, we have to do it with him. That I can't come to Jesus, receive him as my Lord and Savior, and then say, I'm going to grow as a Christian and do it apart from the Lord. It doesn't make any sense to do that. That we are invited to watch the life of Jesus, to emulate his life, to, to work alongside of him, to be yoked to him and move in step with him. And as we do, we learn from him. And we learn from him. Jesus says that he is gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. Why is that important? Well, because Jesus talked about his, his life and his service as a servant. That he had said to his disciples that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life for, as a ransom for many. To give his life for us, for, for you and for me. He's gentle and humble in heart. That Jesus leads like no one else had ever led and no one else has led since. That, that the way that he postures his life before the Father and even to us is, is as, as one who is gentle and humble, that the condition of his heart is healthy. See, here's the truth, church, is that, fit, 
that, that, that pride brings fatigue. Pride brings fatigue. To live our lives in a prideful way will always wear us out. To think that we're, we know better, to think that we can do better, to think that, that, that we've cornered the market or figured something out that no one else has ever figured out, and to live in that kind of prideful way will exhaust our souls. That when we live as Jesus does with humility and, and with gentleness of heart, that there is a life spring there. There's a well of life that would overflow. See, pride is a solo sport. Pride unyokes us from Jesus. Pride unyokes us, uncouples us from Jesus because Jesus had no pride. He was a completely humble servant. And when we come to spiritual disciplines, when we practice prayer and fasting and reading and study, what we're doing is learning from Jesus. So we have to learn from him. We have to watch his life. We have to sense, God, what are you saying? How are you moving? What are you calling me to do? To check our, our heart's motives before him and say, how does my life, how does my, my heart align and compare to the heart of Jesus? Tell you what, if we would stop, if we would slow down daily, even moment by moment, before we would speak or act to say, does this align with the heart of God? There is so much that we wouldn't say or do. But we can't know what those things are if we don't spend time in His presence, if we don't align ourselves, if we don't come alongside of Him and be yoked to Him. I have this in my office. Uh, it's a painting that someone gave me uh, for Christmas, and, uh, and it's Matthew eleven twenty nine, and uh, it was actually a family member had this painted for me, and so I keep this uh, real close to my desk as a reminder, uh, and, and this is a picture of a yoke uh, uh, that, two, that two animals, two oxen, or two, two horses would be yoked together side by side with, and, and then, of course, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, uh, written really beautifully under it. It's a reminder for me daily to say, you know what, I can't do this. I can't do life. I can't do ministry. I can't do marriage. I can't do parenting. I can't do friendship. I, I can't do any of these things on my own, that I need Jesus. And that when I try and do it on my own, I will wear myself out. It's a reminder for me daily to say, Jesus, what do you say? How do you want to move? What do you think about this? What's your heart? Am I aligning? Does my life look more like you in this or less like you in this? Church, we need to be a people who press in, that we would discover the why of being refreshed, to have the joy and the life that would flow from being coupled to Jesus. See, pride brings fatigue, but humility brings life humility before him, to humble ourselves before the word of God and to allow God's word to teach us and correct us and to train us and rebuke us. It brings life. Jesus says, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your soul. Why your soul? Your soul really encompasses your whole being, your mind, your emotions, your will, your body, every part of who you are is wrapped up in your soul. And God says, I want to bring rest to every part of your life. 
but we have to restore that rhythm. We have to make sure there's a rhythm of being in his presence, that there's the rhythm of spiritual disciplines in our lives. And I've talked about the fact that we're all different and we connect with God different. For some of you, it's being out in nature, going for a walk, going for a hike. For some of you, you need just quiet. You need to be in your prayer closet. For some of you, it is all about studying the word and taking, up, taking it apart, understanding, doing word studies. And for some, it's worship. Now, we all need to engage in all of these disciplines to a degree, but know this, that there are some things that will just be more life-giving for you. There's places where you will just meet Jesus. And the picture in those places, because God knows you, is this. It's the place where God invites you to partner with him. It's where Jesus says, come and take on my yoke. So even the life-giving process of spiritual disciplines can become a heavy burden if we lose sight of the why. Jesus ends in verse 30 by saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Always this reminder that when we come to him, that these disciplines, that these spiritual rhythms in our lives will result in life. They will be like a well springing forth and bringing refreshing to our souls. See, as we close today, the Christian life is not intended to be a walk in the park. The walking with Jesus is not a walk in the park. It's not just this easy thing that we set out on, like we give our lives to Jesus and then everything is great. In fact, the promise of Jesus himself was that in this life we will have trouble. He says that, that, that we will face struggles. We've all faced struggles, especially over this last year. But then he says, but, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world. Like, that Jesus has done the heavy lifting. He calls us to a life of service. He calls us to a life of sacrifice. Those things are not easy. It takes commitment. It takes focus. It takes sacrifice. It takes service to walk with Jesus. Those are critical parts of our relationship with him. But at no point ever is it meant to be soul-crushing. At no point is the invitation to be yoked with Jesus something that would crush us it's meant to be life-giving. It's meant to be restorative, that when we're coupled with Jesus, we can do so much more with him and we can on our own. That when we work with Jesus, when we're coupled to him and we're moving in step with him, amazing things will happen in our lives, in our communities, in our homes, in our relationships. The invitation is this. It's to walk out our faith with Jesus. It's to walk out our faith, our relationship with him, with him, not apart from him. That's the why. Why? Why do we practice spiritual disciplines? Why are these things important? Because we lose sight of who he is if we neglect those rhythms in our lives. That we need daily reminders of who God is, how he feels about us, the invitation he's extending the ways that he's asked us to live and to act and to speak and to think and to serve in all of these other areas and that we would partner with him and walk with him. I want to share a couple of resources, a couple of books that you can read 
uh, that provide, they've, they've been an insp- inspiration to me, and I think they'll be a great resource to you as well. Uh, the first is a book called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas, and, I, and here's a, a picture of what the cover of that looks like. Uh, and then also in the, in, the, in the notes section and in the comments, we're posting a link to where you can find that uh, on Amazon. Um, but you can, there's, there's all different places you can find this online or your local bookstore. But Sacred Pathways with Gary Thomas, and he un- unpacks some of the ways that we're wired to connect with Jesus. As we walk down these roads, down these pathways with Jesus, it's not one just not one sing- singular pathway. There's different ways that we encounter him. And then another book that has been especially encouraging to me and really reframed uh, my perspective of spiritual disciplines was uh, is a book by Dallas Willard called Spirit of the Disciplines. Spirit of the Disciplines. Uh, it is it is not an easy read for sure. He's a he's a deep thinker, but it's a great resource, a good one to have uh, in your library. And then finally today, uh, when it comes to reading the Word of God, we've uh, we've adopted the lectio divina approach to reading, to sitting in the presence of the Lord, to hearing His voice, to silencing ourselves before him, reading a passage out loud, and, um, and we've talked about that in previous messages, but I encourage you, if you don't have a regular, uh, a regular rhythm of reading the Word of God, or you would like a plan, uh, you, can, you can definitely check out the Lectio Divina app, um, and there's a link uh, for that right now in the chat as well, and in the comment section. You can download that to your device. It's the reading plan that I'm currently using, and it's a it's a great encouragement. The reading, uh, the passages are not very long. The idea is not to read a ton of scripture, but really to read a shorter passage, but to really sit in it and to meditate on it, and just to hear the voice of God as He would speak to us. Church, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I pray and I hope that that through this series as we talk about rhythms that you rediscover some of these ways, the why behind why, the why behind spiritual disciplines and connecting with Jesus. Let me pray for you as we close. Father God, I thank you that you invite us into the dance. Jesus, I thank you that you call us to be yoked to you, to be connected to you, to have our lives uh, just joined to yours to come alongside of you, Lord, to receive rest from you, to receive encouragement from you, to be taught by you and led by you, to work alongside of you in the work that you're doing in the world. God, I pray that you would strip away all pride. God, that you would give us your heart, that we would lead, that we would serve, that we would love the way that you do. Lord, I pray that we would establish rhythms of worship and prayer and fasting and study in our own lives, Lord God. That we would have a clear picture of who you are as you lovingly invite us to join you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. 